Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy coming at you with another podcast episode. Thanks for joining me. Um, you know, if you're giving these likes and you're putting comments, I really do appreciate it. Wherever you're finding this podcast episode, uh, we like producing them. So thanks for joining me. I bring on a wonderful guest today. His name is Jeff Smith, and he's actually with Silman. He actually manages 12 engineers there. It's a structural engineering firm in New Jersey, and he works on a lot of stuff in New York. So kind of the New York area and works on a lot of fun projects. I wanted to get his experience, uh, talk about his experience as a manager also as a structural engineer, and talk about his favorite projects, advice he has about studying for the PE exam in the workplace as a manager, how to deal with that, and things of that nature. But uh, it was a really fun episode to deal with him. He graduated from West Virginia University, and he's he's been working for Silman for quite some time. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I apologize for my voice. Uh, Between kids with croup and ear infections, uh, it seems to be going around in our house. So I got a little bit of a frog in the throat, uh, but we'll, we'll deal with it. We'll get over it. Um, yeah. So Jeff's a great guest. I really do appreciate him. Uh, if you have comments about this, the video or the podcast, make sure that your voice is heard. Let us know in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're catching this on any podcast, uh, let me know how things are going shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com and make sure to check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com. If you need resources to help you pass your FE or PE exam and a little secret, we are uh, almost ready. We're working on the California Seismic and Survey course. We're going to do a course for that. So that'll be coming out hopefully here in uh, 2022. Looking forward to that and sharing that with you. So little teaser for you. Uh, anyway, you're going to enjoy this episode with Jeff. Jeff's a great guest, and it's going to be coming up right after this. All right, Jeff, how's it going? Welcome to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Good. Thank you, Isaac. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. Um, you'll have to pardon my voice getting over a cold <clears throat> between ear infections and croup and all kinds of kids stuff going on just manages to circle around you know yes yeah they're uh little germs <laughs> well um jeff what as we get started um i definitely will read a little bit about you as we do an introduction to this episode but i always like to ask our guests uh, to describe uh, more about yourself and maybe what you do for a living sure no i'm i'm a structural engineer by by trade and i I tend to, I manage, um, a number of people within our, within our office. We have a studio atmosphere. So another person and I manage about 12 people as we go. And, um, the way I like to describe it is architects draw it and, and we make it stand up. Um, hmm. so I think that's, that's what we do. In, inherently, that's what we do. There's not, there's a lot more to it, but that's the, the breakdown for it. Okay. So you're managing. You said 12 structural engineers? Yes. Okay. Yes. And do they all have 
do they all require SEs or PEs or a mixed bag or what? So it's not required where where I'm at at Silman. Um, but what it is is it's encouraged, right? Because it, it allows you to provide that knowledge growth as you move forward in your career. And it's something that you, frankly, we, we encourage highly that you go after, after a certain part of your career. I mean, I know there's, I believe it's three years of experience. If you have a master's, four years of experience, if you have a bachelor's and you need that time to actually find out what it is that we do, because there's things that they don't teach you in school. Yep. And you know, getting live experiences, very important. So. You have to learn how to read a code. They don't teach you that in school. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of codes. So. (laughs) You got to use that search function real well. (laughs) Um, Well, what's a typical day like for you as a structural engineer and as a manager? So are you talking about pre-pandemic or post or in the pandemic as we go? Because they're two very different things. Well, let's touch upon both. Like what was it like before and what is it like now? Sure. I mean, my typical day when we were in the office full time, which is something that we're kind of we're working on going to a hybrid structure, but that's coming about. Um, typical day before this would be, you know, you go into the office, you get settled, and then you review kind of what came in after you had left for the day. And then you meet with the team, you meet with the people that are on your projects, and you make sure that they have the tasks that they need for the rest of the day to continue moving forward. Um, then it was client meetings, site visits to, you know, review existing conditions as you go. Um, and then we had some of those management meetings too, which take up a, a bit of the day. Sure. Um, and then again, it's checking in with your team as you go to make sure that they're still on the right path that they are, that they need to be for the, uh, for the projects. Okay. So that's pre COVID, right? Yeah. That is pre COVID. Yeah. hits. Now, now what do we do? A lot of video calls, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of video calls, a lot of um, double checking on your team, making sure that they're okay, right? Everybody's been locked up for 20 months now. Um, sometimes you feel like a psychologist, but a lot of times it's just making sure that your your team is fine and in the right mental state. Um, but besides that, it's, it's making sure that they, they have, you can't stop by somebody's desk as easily as you right. used to, right? It's always, it's, it's either a call, which can be, you know, if they're not at their desk, they're not going to get that call. Um, but scheduling the time to check in with every member of the team as you go to make sure that they have what they need for that day or that week. So I know it's a, it seems a little harder to have just kind of those water cooler kind of conversations yeah. or pop your head up in a cubicle and, and ask a question to your neighbor because now you actually have to make a call or use the chat or whatever to, to reach out to people. And I feel like a lot of engineers feel like other people are, are just so busy that sometimes they hesitate to reach out to others to get yeah. questions answered or things of that nature. Um, it seems like, uh, you know, this, this new remote work option that we have to do now uh, kind of has changed that whole dynamic. So it, you feel bad. I feel a little, bad about younger engineers that come into the industry uh, because it feels like 
you know, maybe they don't ask as many questions or feel like I can. Um, do you, I mean, do you have any advice about how you can encourage younger engineers to ask more questions without feeling like they're bugging people? Or is there a program or something you guys have set up to try to encourage that? Well, I mean, it's, they have to realize that it's not bugging someone, right? There yeah. is their personal growth in the industry actually helps the entire company, right? It makes it easier for the whole team to move forward. And that's where, if you're asking questions, you're seeking, you know, the knowledge of what you need to move forward. Now, the idea is that you ask the question, you get the answer. Um, then you don't have to ask the question again. The same question, let's say. Like, questions as they come are, are great. Um, but learning from those questions and those conversations are what I think is the most important. Hmm. I have another just kind of a follow-up question because this relates to the industry as a whole. But it feels like with COVID, um, it's almost like if you're hiring new people, um, that the topic of remote work like has to be on the table. Yeah. So I'm curious, have you seen this? Have you done any hiring? Is it is it something that just comes up automatically or what, what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, we've done, we've done a, a bit of hiring in the past year. Um, and remote work is on the table. And like I said, we're, we're probably moving towards some sort of hybrid system where you're in a couple of days, you're out a couple of days, you know, you're working from home a couple of days. Um, in the current structure, I think that's best for people's mental state as you go. Right. Um, learning though, there's, there's, there's an atmosphere when you're in an office that you can't replicate at home. And that's why I think being in, the office a number of days a week is highly beneficial to personal growth in the industry. Because if my biggest concern is that people ask the same group of people questions. And once you're in the office, someone, like you said, the water cooler, like someone else can overhear and then chime in mm-hmm. as you go and back and forth. It's not um, the same two or three people that you're asking a question to. Yeah, and I'm sure there's conversations that are that are had that not everybody benefits from. Right. So, um, you know, that that's kind of an issue. So there's kind of that human interaction element that's <clears throat> that is missed with remote work, but at the same time, I I would I would probably guarantee that as a new hire that most people want also yeah. a remote option too. Like Yeah, absolutely. Like that's what they're wanting too. So. No, and it's it's a topic, right? It has yeah. to be a topic of conversation, especially in the world we live in now, where things are so easy to be remote, right? Quote unquote, yeah. easy as you go. You may not have the same benefits, but it's it's there. Okay, well, good, good, good advice. Good advice. Um, I'm curious, as a structural engineer or managing people, what's some of the maybe one or two biggest challenges that you face? Uh, as a as a structural engineer, um, honestly, as a structural engineer, the biggest challenges that we face are the projects themselves. Right, every project is unique. Um, there's no two buildings that are the same, even though we, you know, ninety percent of the buildings are um, in somewhat the same. That ten percent can be very tricky, and mm. it's. It's that's where we need to spend our time is on that 10% of the design that's not standard, 
And that's where I think we shine in our office as focusing on that to make sure that that's a highlight. That's nice. Um, what are what are some of the softwares that you that you guys use over there? So for analysis, we have ETAB, SAP, RISA. Um, we've been going. There's a bunch of them that are more high end that that we've been going into. Not necessarily on my end because they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's too knowledgeable for my taste. <laughs> um, um, is there a benefit? As a younger engineer coming into the industry, is there any tips or advice you'd have to share with them coming into this field, maybe getting a leg up on any software or uh, systems to understand? Um, frankly, learning the interoperab- interoperability of the softwares. Like, do they do they link with Revit? Is there a way to round trip your model from Revit back and forth to an analysis software and the bugs that can come about of that? Mm. Um you don't want to spend all your time doing a Revit model that's, you know, perfect and then find out later that it can't be exported into a software. And then you just have to redraw it in whatever analysis software that you're doing anyways. Yeah. Um, that's key because it's it's fast paced, but it has to be right. We don't have an option to be wrong. All right. Is that, um, is that, is that stressful? Do you oh, yeah. Like? yeah. <laughs> there, it, it is stressful, but I, I think at the same time, you know, until it's installed, there's always a way to catch it as you go. So there's a bunch of review processes that go about in our office to make sure that things go out of the office that are correct. And they are, you know, um, there's no danger involved in that. Yeah, I mean, um, designing structural, you know, elements and things of that nature, you got to be, you got to be right. And so uh, you got to have a good review process in place. So, um, Joe Tortorella, our old, our president at one time just said, there's no, there's no B's here. Everything has to be an A. There you go. go. I like it. So, Um, Jeff, what's been the, maybe a favorite project you've personally worked on? So it, the you know I when we were going back and forth, um, this question was probably one of the most difficult that you sent me as being um, kind of a favorite project, and I think it's there was one project where we were I got called and we were working at the Bronx Zoo, and it was this pedestrian bridge that went over a, a turtle pond hmm. as you go and. Um, I happen to have I happen to be one of the uh, one of the people in the office that had waiters. So they called me and I went up and I went into the pond with the turtles and and was reviewing the pedestrian bridge itself um just for corrosion. It was just it was a unique experience that um I never thought I would do. That one stood out, huh? Yeah. Well, when you're when you're That's under <laughs> when you're in in the zoo behind the you know the quote-unquote cage as you go and there's turtles swimming around you as you're looking up at the underside of a bridge it was a it was a pretty cool thing i i love the fact that as a structural engineer too that you actually get to build something that that is there for a very very long time i mean maybe probably your whole life and you you should go back and you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) no i mean i worked on i mean high-end residential you know um higher ed cultural um, 
affordable housing is another project that that we do. Like we kind of run the gamut. So it's one thing that Selman has afforded me, which I which I truly enjoy, is that we don't work in just one material. We work in all of them. So like there's CMU and plank. There's timber structures. There's steel structures. There's concrete structures. I'm working on a precast um, plank building right now. We're also working on a pre-stressed, you know, building precast, you know, pre-stressed concrete. That's that's we're going through the design of now. But it's the basics are the basics for every material. It's just knowing those material properties and how to utilize them as you go. And that's something that we've learned at Silman is, is beneficial to a well, well-rounded person. That's great. Um, lots of different material types to understand and how they perform. It sounds like um, there's always something to be learning. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like it's a challenging field too, where uh, you're going to need to always be brushing up on stuff to, <laughs> to learn more and more. And I, I don't imagine that when you're finished with college that you just kind of end your education there uh, when you're starting your career, and especially in the structural engineering field. You need to be probably on top of industry trends and everything else going on. So are there, I'm just curious, but are there specific conferences or events that you guys go to to try to uh, keep your knowledge up? So we spread it out amongst the the group of engineers as we go like we go to the aisc you know conferences the steel conferences i know um the person i run the studio with now we're heavily into the mass timber aspect of things so there's conferences for Hmm. for mass timber that that we've gone to um there's conferences for you know the the software aspect of it between um you know whether or not you're using dynamo grasshopper revit AutoCAD, you know, Autodesk University is a big one that that people have gone to in our office. It's well, it's learning kind of, those can be you know a whole course yeah. in itself. So yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> once you get out of school, you've just signed up for a willingness to continue to learn. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Good points. Well, uh, talking about continuing to learn, one of the big milestones that all engineers kind of go through, civil engineers, is. Uh, passing their exams, which includes the FE, the PE, uh, SE, as you go into structural engineering. Do you have any tips around preparing for maybe the PE exam or anything uh, that stood out to you as you've, you did went through that process yourself? Yeah. I, so the biggest tip that I have is, is have the conversation with your, your employer about, look, I have this, this test that we all want to do. I need to have the time to take the test and the time to prepare for the test itself. Um, so if it's a workload aspect that they can, they can manage your workload so that you get that time to actually prepare. Um, and I think, you know, the online courses that, that are offered for that and all the NCES manuals oh, yeah. are, are great for those. But I think having that initial conversation leading up to taking the the exams is key to getting you in the right mindset and your employer in the right mindset. That well, you bring up some good points, and maybe I can ask you a few more questions around that. I, I mean, a lot of engineers, uh, and I work with a lot because we have our course, Civil Engineering Academy. Right. Uh, we have some courses here to help people with the FBC, which are great, which are good, <laughs> which are good stuff. Yeah, yeah. check them out. 
<laughs> and, um, you know, people feel intimidated sometimes about asking their manager to reduce workload or even suggest, you know, hey, can I study for this at breaks, at lunches, uh, you know, at my desk? Is that going to be a problem? What, as a manager, do you see that as a problem if it's going to help the company? I mean, what's your take on that? No, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a problem, frankly. I mean, we've, Again, per, like the PE and the SE, you dig further and further into the code than you would on a kind of high-level basis, which helps you understand more about what you're doing at your job. So I would have – nobody should have an issue with someone studying <laughs> what they're actually doing. So that's – And you would be okay as a manager if they studied a little bit during work hours absolutely. or after – what? What's your thoughts around that? Um, if if we had the conversation, I would, you know, if they're going to, so that's, that's part of the, what we're talking about with pandemic and work hours and things like that. Like there's a flexibility there, right? Yeah, like you okay. don't have to be at a desk from <clears throat> nine to five right now, right? If you want to take, if your best studying time is at lunchtime and you want to take two hours to, to study from 12 to two, why not? Go for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just have that that clear and open communication with who you're working with. That I'm blo- you know, I'm blocking off this time. Please respect that time. That makes sense. No, that's great advice. Uh, I, I like I say, I get a lot of questions, or at least I can sense a lot of concern when people are trying to prepare for this about how they're going to make time to do this. But I think if you have open, honest conversations yeah. with with managers, um, they're more than willing to work with you. Because a lot of times the value of the company is the employees and getting Correct. you get your PE and your SE shows uh, that, you know, you're more valuable to the company. Yeah. Makes them more valuable too. Exactly. It brings a whole marketing aspect into it as well when you can say there that there's so many people who have PEs and SEs. I like it. Well, uh, one thing I found interesting uh, on your own kind of resume was that you were um, a commissioner for the uh, Bayon Historic Preservation Committee. And what what is that entail? What 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 is that about? And I'm sure there's a lot of other committees that are similar to this that people yeah. could look into. But what was kind of your experience with that? How did you even find uh, a role to play there? So there was. Um... We do a lot of historic preservation at Sillman. So getting involved mm-hmm. with, with that was, you know, I, I felt like the right thing to do when, when I was living in, in Bayonne. And um, there were two kind of groups. There was the Historic Preservation Committee, which is the government aspect of it. And then there was the Historic Preservation Society, which is just, which is a um, kind of an ad hoc society that, that recommends things and goes through their meetings, et cetera. Um, I got involved with the committee because they actually needed a licensed engineer to be on the committee itself for it to be a fully functioning committee. Um, so I had gone to a couple meetings, saw what it was about. I thought it was a, you know, a good use of time on my end and it would make a difference in the, you know, in the place that we were living. So I think it was, it was good to do. Um, you get to see a lot of red tape, which is difficult to see, but um, they, 
the aspects of it was was interesting. You know, like I didn't know anything about planning or zoning boards, but I did after that, after we got involved and kind of the government process of it all. Interesting. If if others maybe wanted to participate, would you know how they could get involved in a historic committee in their own state? Or yeah, state? I mean, it, if it's if it's a government based committee, go to the meetings. They're not they're not overly attended unless people are there to present something. But if you go to the meetings, um, and talk to the people who are there, gotcha. Form their relationships. That's the biggest thing to do. Cool. I was just curious about that. It was a very interesting thing to be part of. So, yeah. but that sounds like a lot of red tape going on. So. <laughs> Quite a bit, yes. There was, there was. It takes a while for things to get done in the government. I got gotcha. you. Well, Jeff, uh, this has been fun. I'm curious uh, if there's a resource out there that you would recommend to engineers that's helped you either in career or in your life uh, that that you could share with us. Sure. I mean. I... My biggest thing whenever I was um, becoming a manager, which I didn't, you're not trained to do, right? You just kind of grow into it was the um, Manager Tools podcast. I thought that was a phenomenal resource to help develop that. Um, Then after that, I mean, there's, there's tons of books out there. There's Yes, just, do uh, engineers make good managers? No, no, <laughs> no, because because we're not taught to be right. Like that's that's the whole thing. I'm sorry. I know that was a quick answer, but that was that was it was the brutal honesty. We're inherently we're not. To be honest, yeah, inherently we're not. But I think there are good engineering managers out there who have um, taken the time to focus on the management aspect of it. Um, yeah when you're i've had the privilege of doing both as an engineer i've been a supervisor Mm -hmm. been a senior project manager um done senior engineering still and i'm still involved in engineering right now doing transmission design work and i will say that um the first task i got put on when i became a supervisor is that i had to talk to a guy at my workplace that had um I, I guess we had suspicion of drinking alcohol, you know, like <sighs> getting involved with HR kind of stuff. Like first, first, first day time, uh, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, uh, is this really this bad? <laughs> so you, you kind of see the backside of um, dealing with issues that the company has to deal with, which is kind of just the people, yeah. you know, aspect of thing, the the payroll, the timesheets, the yeah. um, the willingness and of reaching goals, wanting to reach goals and see progression in somebody's own career. Like everyone wants to move up in a company and, you know, some people want to move up really quickly and you have to work to balance that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. There's, there's a lot to learn there. So definitely uh, give that podcast a listen. Anything, anything else on your mind about that? I mean, difficult conversations are, difficult in general, right? Like, so having those conversations and being open to constructive criticism and feedback is key for growth. All right. Yeah. And being willing to um, admit mistakes, I think is huge. Um, Like if you make a mistake and you don't kind of own it, it just makes you look bad, you know, 
completely agree. Oh. You can't pass the buck. Yeah, the sooner you could say, you're like, I, you know, I missed it. I missed yeah. it. I'm sorry. You know, I, and the sooner, so, like we were talking about before, the sooner you you go through that, it doesn't get to the third review of the drawings or the third review of a model, and then you're like, oh yeah, I saw that a long time ago. And it's like, well, why didn't you say something? Yeah. <laughs> why didn't you say something a long time ago? On, and we could have solved this. Now it's going to cost X amount of dollars before we actually figure out what we have to do. Yeah. Well, good, good tips. Good advice. Well, Jeff, thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah, no what's your favorite thing to do out there? Your New Jersey, New York area. Yeah. You know, um, we live by the beach. So, mm. and it's, it's great. Kids all love the beach. We like the beach. So, favorite summer pastimes just beach time going down like to the it. beach so the kids are in all kinds of sports too which is great okay okay so. well jeff thanks for connecting with us uh is there a good way if people have questions about structural you know being a structural engineer mm-hmm. uh, maybe even management questions yeah. or even the company you work for Silman, um how, what's the best way to reach out to you i mean they, they can get me on linkedin okay. that's probably the easiest way or if they want i mean they can email me. It's smith at Selman.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay. So. We'll make sure we link that in our show notes. So we're all covered, but Great. Jeff, thanks for jumping on. It's been a pleasure to talk with you about uh, Silman, structural engineering management, and a lot of other tips that you gave yeah. our audience. So thanks for jumping on. Great. Thanks, Isaac. All right. Good talking you. to you. Bye.